You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno. Today on the podcast, we've got my friend Brian Berman. Brian is one of the founders of an organization down in the Dominican Republic called Project Manana. I invited him on the podcast for two reasons. Number one, he's using the old authentic manhood curriculum and some of the new better man curriculum in very creative ways down there in the DR. Uh, So get this, they are currently using that content in 15 of the 21 prisons down in the Dominican, and the stories are amazing. I think you guys are going to be so encouraged to hear how God's Word and what it says about how to become a man and how to be a man is transforming lives, is transforming lives down there. So I want you guys to hear those stories. Second of all, I wanted you to hear the story of how Robert and Brian met, because uh, it's kind of a funny story of showing if you're just persistent, uh, eventually somebody will return your emails and return your phone calls. So I think you're going to like that as well. I think you're going to be encouraged to hear what God is doing through Project Manana. So enjoy my conversation with Brian Berman. Well, man, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where where'd you grow up and how did you get connected with Robert? How do you two know each other? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we met in prison. That's what I like to tell people. <laughs> I believe you. I'm getting to know Robert. That is part of his past. He, let me tell you, um, it's an incredible story. So um, we... I came to the Dominican, my story, I come from uh, corporate America, business background, organizational development, executive leadership, marketing, public relations was kind of my, yeah. my background. And uh, I went on a one week mission trip to the Dominican Republic, April, 2007. The quick story is I basically, after four days of the seven day trip, I decided I wasn't going to leave. Wow. So I came back, I resigned by August and I was living in the same year, uh, December 31st, 2007, Dominican Republic was my permanent home. Wow. So, um, and there's an incredible story there, but um, for sake of time. Uh, so Were you married at the any, time? No, single. Okay. All right. That's how you could move single. that fast. Yeah. I was living the California dream. I was a you know young guy, executive level at Bank of America countrywide and had a huge staff and big paycheck, a couple houses, a couple, you know, motorcycle, a couple girlfriends. You know, the whole, what I thought was the American dream and and what I wanted to achieve. And, um, and so I moved to the Dominican Republic because I really felt like I could use my gifts and talents, uh, to, to help give a voice to people who didn't have a voice and really to, of course, share the gospel message. I'm a strong Christian and believe in the Bible and Jesus as my savior. And so to be able to bring that, uh, messaging to people that maybe otherwise couldn't receive it. Basically I'd use my gifts and talents to make hundreds of millions of dollars for corporate America. And now I wanted to use them for, you know, for God's kingdom, if you will. Good for you. So here I'm down here, my sweet spot and where I volunteered at church back in California, uh, was high school students. My wife loves children. My now wife, of course I was single at the time, but she loves children, the little kids. And I love uh, high schoolers, uh, men's ministry, prison ministry, men, anything was zero on my radar, had no desire for that. I was frankly trying to figure out how to be a man. I got into business and ministry uh, at a young age. I'm now 42. Uh, I've been doing this now for 14 years, um, going on going into 14 years, and so um, it was not that wasn't my my desire. Um, We had a pastor that worked for us at Project Manana, our our ministry, and um, he started going into the local maximum security prison just on Saturdays during visiting hours and and just sharing the gospel and just talking to the guys. 
Uh, great pastor, no administration or direction or organization. He's all over the place. So literally after two years of asking me, hey, you should come to uh, uh, you know, be a guest speaker in the prison. Um, I kept turning him down, just literally had zero desire. I was very busy and that wasn't what I was here to do. Right. So literally to shut him up, um, I agreed. And uh, <laughs> I went, we go into this huge mess hall. It's all concrete. They've got like picnic benches that are made out of concrete down both sides and like a center aisle. And I got the VIP seating, which was a plastic lawn chair up at the front. <laughs> the pastor gets up and he's got, uh, there's a wooden pulpit, which I later found out the inmates had made. And he starts preaching. He's Dominican. He starts preaching and, I mean, very animated. And then he says, and we have this international speaker that changes lives and he's sent from God himself. I mean, just over the top introduction, blowing me up. I'm never, I, I've, I've spoken with huge crowds and one-on-one. -on -one. I love to just talk. No, no public speaking, uh, uh, what do you call it? Nervousness. No stage fright. No stage fright. Thank you. After that, I was totally good. Uh, but so I wrote, because I didn't know what I was getting myself into for one of the first times in my life, I wrote three by five cards of just a couple things to, to say. And I really figured, you know, I've got nothing in common. What the heck am I going to talk to these guys about? I've got some tattoos. Maybe I'll roll up my sleeve and we, you know, I'll get street credit or, yeah. you know, I, you know, Jay walked when I was in high school, maybe, you know, I, I could talk about that. I had no idea. So, um, anyway, so I wrote some things down on these cards and after he gives me this introduction, I just thought, oh boy. So I'm kind of now praying for an intercession by God himself at this point. And I, when it, when they, a roaring clap of over 300 inmates and they look every bit of what you would expect, yeah. uh, welcome me to the, to the front of the room. I basically just pulled the pulpit aside and, um, I dragged my plastic lawn chair, sat it right in the middle of the aisle way between eye to eye. And I said, hey, guys, I don't know who he introduced, but he couldn't make it today. So <laughs> you're stuck with me and let's just talk. And I just started sharing my life story and whatnot. And so what I what I ended up realizing was a few things. Number one, that I saw 300 mirrors uh, reflecting back at me and that all of these men desperately wanted to be known and loved. They desperately wanted to figure out what it meant. Uh, now I can coin the term authentic man. Yep. Um, and they wanted to desperately know what that was, the same as as I as I do and did. And uh, I really resonated with that. I also really resonated um, that they're the same, that they've got hurts that have been caused to them. And of course, they've caused hurts to other people. And now we use the language of, you know, they've been dragging a suitcase around that's been full with a bunch of stuff. But the reality was, is that I started really resonating with, with these guys. Yeah. And the other thing that I saw was these were a bunch of high school students that I love to work with in, in uh, men's bodies. Yeah. And that was their mental maturity level, their mental state. And, and from that moment, you know, my wife thinks I'm crazy most of the time, but that night I kind of cried myself to sleep and, and shared my experience with her. I realized this is an unreached people group. We have to do something here. And at that time, a missionary that worked for us at Project Vignana um, had gone back on furlough for a couple weeks to Chicago to his home church and happened to be doing the Authentic Manhood, Quest for Authentic Manhood class. Okay. So he did it while he was back in the States, loved it, bought the kit, brought it to the Dominican, and a couple few days later, by coincidence, says, hey, man, check this thing out. What do you think about this? And it, the light went off. And I said, dude... This is the perfect thing. It's video based. It's, it's, you know, it's dynamic. It's whatever it's in Spanish. 
Um, little old school at the time, but nonetheless, it was the best that we could have had. And I said, let's do it. And so um, we eventually, uh, we coined and trademarked Institute for Authentic Manhood. Okay. And uh, and now Institute for Authentic Womanhood, because we're doing some women's stuff in the women's prisons. And basically started doing Robert's class. And so as we started just talking to friends of Project Manana, somebody had actually said, hey, I've got Robert's email address. We had communicated for something else for their church years before or whatever. So I said, give it to me. I'd love to send Robert a thank you letter and just tell him what we're doing. Yeah. So I sent him an email, never heard back. Then every month after that, I start sending him just update emails. Hey, Robert, it's Brian again. Just want to <laughs> let you know that finally he, I don't know, two or three months went by. He responds back and, you know, just very professional. Great. You know, sounds great. Thanks for sharing. It was like one sentence done. That was it. And so the next month I sent him again, Hey Robert, it was great to hear back from you. Just want to give you a next update, you know, and I just kept giving him more and more. And throughout this process, we're now going into one prison, two prisons, three prisons, four prisons, five, six, eight prisons. It's growing like wildfire. We're hiring staff. We've trademarked the Institute. We've got certificates. We've got supervisors and an organizational chart. The Dominican authorities are begging us to do more. They want to get involved. They've certified. I mean, it's just blowing up. Wow. So one of the emails that he responds back is typical. Thanks for the thing. I don't know if he forgot to take it off or what, but in his signature line was his cell phone number. <laughs> and so, uh, boy, he screwed up there because now I've got a cell phone. So I called him and, uh, I literally called him and I was at the children's museum. I was with my son, my kids. And I said, Robert, I said, listen, dude, uh, this is Brian. Nice to meet you. Oh, Brian, you know, how you doing? I said, I'm sure you're very busy. You know, we don't know each other. I just, I want to share and I want to thank you. This program that you've created, uh, literally by that point, it was several thousand people had gone through it. People, we were baptizing, you know, 300 people in a blow up pool in the middle of a maximum security prison. I mean, we're dealing with the highest level narco traffickers and drug dealers and murderers and rapists. I mean, Robert, you have no idea um, what your program has allowed us to do. And so I just started sharing. Well, then every month thereafter, I just started calling him. So yeah. now that was my check-in. <laughs> so this went on for a year, a couple of years, year and a half, two years, whatever it was. And finally, I just said, Robert, I'm sure you're tired of hearing from me. I, I, you probably have no idea of what really is going on. You've got to come down. Uh, he made good on his promise, came down, did an amazing tour, loved it. Um, I've got some pictures of him when he was down. And since then, we just, now we're buddies. We stay in contact and... Um, I have been the, so we brought authentic manhood to the Dominican and now it's grown like wildfire and we, I'm probably his biggest cheerleader in project manana. And, and now with the better man stuff, he contacted me back when and said, you've got to check this stuff out. Um, so I've been on the website. I've actually seen a couple of videos and, uh, you know, a few of the classes and stuff. And, um, and so here we are. That is Respect amazing. A long answer. <laughs> I love it though, and it's such a great way to set up, you know, where we're going with all this. And so let's let's do this. Uh, let's go back to the beginning and even just talk about Project Manana. Um, you know, when I go out to your website, you got a great looking website, and I just I love that phrase right there on that homepage that talks about working together today for an eternal tomorrow. So how how do you guys use that statement, and how does that inform? all the ministry activities that you guys are involved in down there in the, in the Dominican right now with Project Manana. So just, just talk about that. Yeah. So one of the things that we realized when we wanted to create Project Manana, and I say we, it was my wife and I, uh, both from different paths. Uh, she is a Dominican national, grew up in a very humble upbringing, 
uh, was a sponsored child herself and has an incredible success story. And and then my side coming from corporate America and 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 working very hard and uh, from California. So when we created Project Minyana, uh, I had realized and, and she had realized by that point that we didn't have all of the skill sets that would be necessary to create what we call strong families, holistic uh, ministry, be able to really work with trauma children and their parents. Um, so we came up with a tagline that basically said, hey, what if we created, you know, we'll do the hard work, we'll build the bridge, we'll be the liaisons, we will create this intermediary uh, ministry organization that will connect our friends in America with our friends in the Dominican, that will allow people in an organized fashion to not only donate money, but time and expertise and gifts and talents and everything else. And so we said, we're really all going to have to work together if we want to make an eternal tomorrow. And that's where the tagline started to, to, to come out, of course, Project Manana, Manana in Spanish meeting tomorrow, that the whole goal is we're going to work together. It's going to take a lot of us. It's a project. Um, and a project could have a start and an end, or it could just be ongoing. Uh, but we're going to work together for an eternal tomorrow. That's so good. And, and that's, our, that's kind of where we did. So we, we've then taken that. And of course, it's become our our tagline, our DNA into all of the six projects that we do. Yeah. And describe um, those and six it, real quick. Yeah. So quickly, uh, we started with Nutrition Project. Yep. Um, quick version, feeding 330 children and growing every single day, five days a week, nutritious meals. And we also do Bible teaching, everything, blah, blah, blah. Education Project, uh, which is our private school, tutoring centers, um, mentorship, and just anything with education. Uh, Clean Water Project, we distribute the filter of hope. It's an in-home point-of-use micron filter. Uh, we're producing 49.7 million gallons of clean water every That's single amazing. year uh, through this thing that people can do. Uh, we have our, our Princess Project, which is girls that come into their quinceanera party at 15 years old, um, coming of age. We work with them on purity and, oh, and, and so self-esteem and, yeah. and girl stuff. Uh, Dominican Republic's the fourth highest teen pregnancy rate in the world, so we're trying to work in that Try to change world. That. Yep. Um, the prison project, of course, uh, working with men and women now, uh, teaching them how to be authentic men and women and, and coming to know Christ through the process. And then our Timothy project, which is the overarching, maybe I should have started with that, is, uh, is why we do what we do. It's basically to share the gospel, to disciple, to, um, you know, we have a church that we've planted through the Timothy project. That's where we do our benevolence and, and different other things. But it's basically the the, the root. And yeah. so working together in all those areas, you say, well, that's quite a diverse menu or buffet. It is, but they all strategically fit into what we call holistic, uh, holistic care, strong family partnership. And people say, well, how do inmates and prisoners and, 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 and this authentic manhood stuff fit into the cute little kids and eating and, and all <laughs> yeah. that? And we realized we were doing a great job with the kids. We were doing a great job usually with mom in the house or, or maybe somebody in the house that would take care of them. But the men were absent. And I know one of your questions was about, um, you know, the, the, the manhood or, or yeah, just describing masculinity and, down there in that culture. Yeah. So you, you have a Latin based culture, certainly here in the Dominican, which is hugely machisto, which mm -hmm. is the man rules the roost, sits in his big armchair. He works and produces the money. The woman cooks, cleans and provides for him, uh, you know, in the house, takes care of the kids, makes kids. Um, and, and it's really it's it's there's a dichotomy that's that's very un, un, unequally yoked, really. It's not a biblical model. And also men, it's very prevalent and very common and almost accepted, even in uh, what I would say Christian 
circles of men have their wife or they've never even actually got married. They're just cohabitating okay. and they call that a, a marriage. And then they've got a girlfriend or kids here and kids there and kids sprinkled everywhere. And so we realized, man, if we're going to build a holistic, strong family, you got to start with the guy and you got to get to him. And frankly, we know through statistics and through, through research that if you can get to the man, the chance of him leading and helping to change and guide his family, his wife, his children, his community towards Jesus, towards a heart change, the percentage is way higher if you just got to the kids in second generation or a mom uh, in the equation. Yeah. And so it does fit perfectly in. And many of our kids have their parents in prison. So we're dealing with them just behind bars. So it does fit in perfectly into that. Do you notice that the men that are in prison right now, are they any more open to the teaching from better man and authentic manhood than those that are not in prison? Like, do, do you notice, is there a heart change uh, with, with them based on the circumstances where they are, maybe a proverbial rock bottom, and so they're, they're open for some of this teaching? Uh, so uh, ex- explain that. How has that been working? Yeah, so if we talk about in the prisons, first of all, uh, the reality is, is now we've been doing this for about nine years with the Institute and teaching manhood uh, classes and, and authentic manhood concepts. Um, so there's definitely a, a known um, component to that where they're they're familiar with us. Um, I also think that it is the perfect unreached people group. You have a captive audience. They are at rock bottom. They have gone through incredible circumstances and they have very few people, if any, frankly, if any, that are reaching out to them. So in our classes, you know, one of the things the government wanted to do was they wanted to mandate that every inmate, when they started to see the results, are the recidivism rate of men getting out and staying out that took our class is, is a huge oh, different awesome. than the normal recidivism. Yeah. Um, their behavior, the way that they were acting inside. So the government, their solution was, well, crud, let's put everybody through this. We want everybody to do it. And we were excited about that. Oh my gosh, every single inmate in the whole Dominican Republic is going to come. But we realize that there is actually part of the equation is the self-selection, uh, whether you just want to get your certificate because it looks good in your file, it looks good in front of the judge, or you really are interested in learning some new concepts, uh, or you're curious or whatever it is, the self-selection plays into it. Yeah. So we push back. We don't require, we ask the government, please do not mandate that this is required. It created a, a backlog. It created a waiting list. And you know no one's happy with that. But the, that's just the reality. Yeah. So- there is a huge appetite for these men. And as men have gone through the program and shared their stories and transformation with other men, it's created a, a curiosity that is an appetite that is so beautiful. Um, so that's one component. Um, the other component, so now on the outside, so compared to men in society, uh, what we have found is if we, uh, for example, at the local church, Hey, we're going to do, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday night for an hour, we're going to get together and we're going to go through this better man or authentic manhood program. The attendance is virtually zero, very, very low. Um, We couldn't figure out why. Two things finally bubbled to the surface. The first one, I believe, is men typically work six days a week. A lot of it's manual and physical labor, so they're just exhausted. So to come to church for an hour even... Um, it's an excuse, but it's it's the reality it's of real. it. I'm just tired. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Uh, number two is to come to church, period. Why would I go to church where you're going to tell me all the things that I'm doing wrong? And so we quickly realized that if we pulled out the program and we did it maybe on a Saturday evening or even on a Sunday evening, 
And we did it at maybe the local community center or in someone's backyard or non-church setting. And we presented it as, hey, this is a bunch of guys getting together to meet with other guys. It's not a Bible study. It's not a Bible thing. It's not a Jesus thing. It's simply just guys learning how to become authentic men from each other. And of course, we go through it. And of course, Jesus and the Bible and everything else it's all over it. naturally yep. you know, comes out of it. Um, much higher uh, percentage of people attending and sticking with it. Okay. Um, so for Project Minyana, we do both in and outside of the prison, but mostly we're, uh, I would say 90%, 95%, we use the programs in the prison. Yeah. So where does um, the, uh, where does the government and in, in, when you and in your team there at Project Minyana, when you guys think about the future, like where is, where is the DR headed as a country? Um, what, like what role do, do you guys think and do the government, you know, hope that men are going to play, uh, in the future of that country? Yeah. So the, the government and the Dominican Republic has been going through change, uh, you know, every year over the last probably 60 plus years when they came out of a, a dictatorship, uh, through Trujillo, the dictator and became a, a democratic state and trying to organize themselves in, in, in a Republic. Um, they've been trying to improve society. Yeah. So Prior to uh, just recently, um, and, and even still today, there are maybe three, four, five families that are in control. They are the the, the wealthy, the one percent, and um, because of that, the Dominican Republic, back in history and today, the people have always been looked at as uh, just worker bees, okay. either to make sugarcane, uh, to work in factories, produce different you know uh, clothing items or, or tobacco or cigars or whatever. So to have people that are critical thinkers, to have people that are problem solvers and proactive doesn't behoove these 1% that are in control. Um, that is starting to change now, I think, just with technology and the internet and the influence, frankly, of the United States is a heavy influence here in the Dominican. People are starting to see, and many Dominicans come to the States and then work for many years or live in the States and come back and share their stories. The Dominican is starting to change. So people are becoming empowered. People are going to school. Interestingly, if you look at the universities, uh, whatever the percentage is, I don't know it exactly, but it's the vast majority, it's all women. Women are in the universities looking to become uh, high-level uh, doctors, lawyers, CPAs, among other things. Um, the men are typically either small business owners or worker bees. And um, the pendulum, I think, has shifted. Now the women becoming liberated and empowered, men are going, well, wait a minute, this is not working. Um, the Dominican government also sees that. They see that in the prison system specifically, the recidivism rate is 85% come back in the first year. And so it's a summer camp. So in the prison system, we've gone through a change from what's called the old model to the new model. And the, and the old model is really lock them up, throw away the key. There's four or five guards on the outside. If they try and escape, just shoot them. And then inside that prison, the inmates themselves, there's a hierarchy of who calls the shots and 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 there's things that you wouldn't even imagine. There's restaurants and, and food vendors and women and children and bars and prostitution and everything that's that's in these prisons. It's a whole community just behind the walls. Um, so the people that are in power, they love it. They live great lives, frankly, even though it's behind the, these walls. Um, and the people that are without means uh, or on the lower levels, it's very, very tough. So, of course, that doesn't help anybody, uh, doesn't reform anybody, doesn't renovate or rejuvenate anybody, doesn't uh, restore anybody to a better productive citizen. So the new model is what we're familiar with in the United States, which is, you know, two to four guys per cell. 
They have a curriculum of activities. They can choose wood shop, metal shop, high school classes, university classes, uh, you know, arts and crafts, all kinds of different things. So I think men in general, in both cases, are starting to get motivated. But I also think that we're a far ways away in this country from understanding what authentic manhood means, what masculinity means um, in a healthy, correct way. Um, and so we're, we're, we're trying to figure that out. As you go through the curriculum, what's most surprising to most of the men? Like what, what aspect of the curriculum or what concepts out of God's word do the light bulbs go off and they're like, oh, I'd never even thought about it that way. So I'll answer that with two. Uh, the first one is we actually do what we call the manhood greeting. Okay. And we do this at the beginning of our class and at the end of every class, at the beginning and at the end of every class. Uh, one thing that we realized very quickly is all of these men uh, were lacking two things in their lives. One is a healthy physical touch and and, and embrace or, 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 or caring for. And two is affirmations, certainly hearing the words, I love you. Okay. So the way that we start and end every class is we put our arms, our hands on the shoulders. We take two guys, they look at each other in the eyes, put their hands on each other's shoulders. They say, I love you and I'm proud of you. And then they do a bear hug, a man hug, not the side hug, not yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the, the bear hug. And they get that embrace. In the first few classes, the men think this is very weird. This, what are we hugging each other? What's going on? Uh, this is feminine behavior. And then they start to realize it, and, and then it, they, they actually really embrace that. So the revelation that they have is that people are proud of them. People do love them. And, that, and we also obviously communicate that it sh- that starts from Jesus. That's, mm. that's where that starts. That's so good. Um, and the other realization that they realize is that their past and, and, and lack of a father or lack of uh, or having an overdominant mother or the suitcase of hurts that they've been carrying around um, plays into the decision-making and action process that got them to where they're at. That's fascinating. And that, that they're just not um, uh, bad or God didn't make a mistake in them, that they're not just junk, that yep. truly they are made in the image of God, things in their past built into a life and uh, a, a, a thought process that is not accurate. And they have been carrying that around as their persona for all these years. And now they can shed that and go, that's not who I am. I am not the person that, you know, the crime that I committed does not define who I am. Yep. Which is just what's so fascinating about God's word, that it is true in all cultures across all times, right? It was, it was true when it was written. It's true now. It's going to be true in a thousand years. And uh, cause those two things, right? Understanding that you are loved and that you are cared for and that people are proud of you and uh, your past does not define you. It doesn't mean that this is who you're going to become and who you have to be tomorrow. I mean, I could be, you could be in uh, down in Houston, Texas, and we could be having the same conversation, and you could say, oh, yeah, those, those are the two big things that men down here really impact them. And I'd go, yeah, that makes sense, because, I mean, that, that's true here in the States as well, right? I mean, th- those, are, those are not two things that are just uh, only happening down in the DR. I mean, these, these are, th- those, are, those are true everywhere right now, and it's just amazing that you're seeing that and, and helping men connect those dots. Yeah, our staff, um, we have supervisors that uh, are what you would call chaplains. We call them supervisors. Um, some of them are American. Most of them are Dominican nationals. They're the ones that go into the prisons that are teaching these. They're watching the videos and doing the workbooks literally over and over and over again. Many of us have taken the, the, the program two, three, four, 20 times. And the reality is we've just we realized men are men. 
Um, we have different cultural things, but the, the root programming of us, we're men. Um, and we struggle for the same things and we desire the same things. That's really good. Okay. So today's your 11 year anniversary, right? Of Project Manana when we are, yes. when we are recording this. So I appreciate you giving us time here on your anniversary. So let's do this. Let's, let's fast forward another 11 years, right? Let's look forward to your 22nd anniversary. What gives you the most hope as you look forward to the future, not just with what you all are doing, but with what's happening, uh, just what God's doing down there in, in the Dominican and uh, and then obviously what's going on as well with your organization. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, my prayer every day is, uh, dear God, please don't let me screw this up. I'm so <laughs> honored to be able to serve with Project Vinyana. And um, what it's become over these 11 years is so beyond me. I'm even in awe, yeah. uh, even though I've been every step of the way. And so we're just so thankful. And the amount of people um, that have come around to grow our staff to 53 people wow. and working, you know, in 15 maximum security prisons and in two communities with our community development efforts. I mean, it's just, it's, it's awesome. And, and, and I thank God for that. Um, so we couldn't have gotten to where we're at without many people involved, um, which is, which is the whole plan. Yeah. Um, and, and I look to the future. I'm very excited. So the coolest thing now, which I'm really enjoying watching, uh, more with my wife as well, since we were the first two, is the kids that were in our program that started at 10 years old, 11, 12, they're now becoming young adults. And we are actually, we've actually hired back. Uh, some of these young adults now are teaching in our school as teachers, as assistants, as PE coaches. Um, and so we're, we're, we're starting to see the first fruits. I'm sure there was fruits along the way. I mean, there were, but we're starting to see these kids now that are young adults that are now contributing back. They have Christian values. They have self-esteem. They have great community desire uh, to serve other people. And, and now they're, they're giving back. They're paying it forward. And that was the whole plan. Um, so that in itself is, is a mind blower. The other thing is the inmates themselves. These inmates, quite a few of them have gotten out uh, that have gone through our program. And to have these inmates now get out and are staying out, you know, a lot of times uh, when, when people fill out a job application and they check the box that says, have you committed a felony, uh, that application goes to the bottom of the and, list yeah, or maybe pile. in the trash can. Uh, we actually look for that. And we're <laughs> hiring back uh, some of these inmates that we've seen true transformation in and have really, over the years, uh, proven themselves and shown the great example of leadership and godliness. Um, we're hiring them back as chaplains and supervisors and sending them back into the prison to teach their communities. So as we look to the next 11 years and beyond, the idea of the, the movement of many people from the United States, from the Dominican, reinvesting, it, it, this just happens to be through Project Manana, but frankly, take away our logo and, and, and our title and our ministry. This is God's kingdom, what mm, we're talking about. Yep. More and more people are, are coming to, 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 to the harvest, to start to work the fields and to share. Um, we fully plan, we're in 15 prisons out of the 21 uh, prisons wow. that are here in the United States, here in the Dominican Republic. Uh, so we want to get into the, the rest of them. Uh, matter of fact, we want to get into four more, hopefully next year, uh, Lord willing, funding and resource willing. Um, so want to continue to expand, be in every prison. Uh, want to continue to move forward uh, in, in deepening uh, what we're doing in our community development efforts. We're not so interested in, in a wide footprint, you know, the, the whole adage of a, a mile deep and an inch wide. That's what we're going for. We really believe, and as we've as we've seen it, uh, the reality is, is we've peeled back the onion, and we've realized this is much more difficult than we thought. 
there are the children that we work with are, are trauma children. They've gone through tough situations. Mom and dad, dad have very difficult uh, marriages. Uh, the, the inmates, the men, uh, just everybody. It's it's much more complex. So we've hired two psychologists on staff. Frankly, we should hire another two hundred probably to to work. So rather than just putting a a, a wide net out, we want to focus on a core couple communities, couple groups of people, um, and then launch them out. And, and I believe the the, the the ripple effect will take will take effect. In that. All right. That's fantastic. What a great answer. Uh, so how can people find out about you if they want to learn more about Project Manana and what you guys are doing down there? Man, we're all over the digital space. Projectmanana.org is our website. Okay. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Project Manana. So we would love for people to connect with us and we'd love to hear from people. All right. I love it. All right. Uh, so we typically do this with a lot of our guests. Um, I'll just throw out some random rapid fire questions that have nothing to do with the content we just talked about. Okay. <laughs> this is just for people to get to know you a little bit and you have a, a unique spot being down there in another country. So, all right. You've been down there 14 years yourself, you said? Going on 14. Yeah. Okay. So what is one thing about the States that you don't miss and let's keep it, you know, not political stuff. Right. So just like silly things like, uh, I don't miss, you know, uh, stoplights or or not that they don't have stoplights down there, but you know, uh, traffic or something like that. What do what do you not miss about America? Uh, you know what I not miss about America is, is political correctness, being able to just talk with whoever you want. There you go. So, uh, here in the Dominican, I mean, imagine this, you know, in the bank, you're waiting in line to get to the bank teller. Yeah. Everybody's having a conversation. You're talking with the guy in front of you. You're talking with the guy in back of you and we're all just having a great time. I think if you tried to do that in a supermarket or a bank or somewhere in the United States, people may look at you like you're, you're a little bit off. Uh, so I don't miss uh, not that. being able to connect with people. That's yeah. good. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the food down there, the food item that you have absolutely fallen in love with. Oh, mandongo. Uh, what is it that? Is, mandongo is a stew-like dish that is made from a uh, stomach. Uh, you can also make it with <laughs> intestines, but okay. I prefer the stomach. Uh, it is delicious. I know it's it's one of those ones that say, what? But it's absolutely delicious. All right. Um, is the, like, coffee... Is that is it better down there? Would you say? Hundred percent. Dominican okay. has fantastic coffee, but for those that know me, they bring me actually for my K cup machine Folgers because <laughs> uh, I do miss the the the, the, the cafe style Folgers junk coffee from time to time. Oh my goodness! There's got to be a listener out there right now that is driving on their way to Costco. Just pick them up a massive thing of Folgers. You can go to projectmanana.org, get his email address or get his address and ship it to him. That'll bless <laughs> that it. That is awesome. funny. Okay. So are the cigars better? Cigars are amazing. So Dominican Republic produces, uh, the, is the number one producer in the world. They produce 80 plus percent of the world's cigars. Wow. Uh, most of those are exported, so we don't get a lot of the good stuff here. Okay. Uh, but we have almost all the most uh, well-known factories are here. Okay. Is uh, what I know about the Dominican being a huge baseball fan is that is, I mean, that is where the elite baseball players are coming from right now. Now, when you think about the rest of the world in sports, soccer or football is much bigger. So what what's really happening there on the streets? Is it baseball or is it football? So baseball is our national language. It's our national religion. It's our national pastime. That's okay. what we do here in the Dominican Republic. Uh, kids start playing baseball from the time they can swing a, a broomstick or yep. a bat. They actually start by playing a game called batilla, 
which is literally taking a broomstick and the blue top off of a five off gallon of a water jug, jug. Right. I've seen it. Yeah. I saw this on YouTube. It was fascinating. Such great yeah, hand eye coordination. They flip that thing like it's a Frisbee yep. and it's, you know, it's maybe an inch wide and they hit it with this bat that's or the, or the broomstick that's very small. And so by the time they graduate to a ball and a bat, that's like easy. That's yep. why some of these players are so great. Uh, but you see them playing this all over in the streets and it also takes up less space. So if you don't have access to a baseball field, uh, but Dominicans love baseball. And if you ask any young man, any boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? 99% chances you're going to get a, a, you know, professional ball player, baseball player. Who's the, um, uh, soccer- who's the national hero though, in baseball, who, who gets talked about the most? Oh, we got Manny Ramirez. Okay. Uh, we've got Tony Pena. We've yeah. got uh, several guys. Uh, I mean, the list is really new. staggering. It really is. Yeah. I, I would, I always want, you know, like if you go to Germany and ask them who's their favorite basketball player, they're going to say Dirk, right? That's just because they didn't have, uh, or he was one of the most popular German basketball players here in the States. With the Dominican and Major League Baseball, it's like, well, which one? I mean, what position? I can name a few at each position. Yeah, I think, and and maybe if we had to pick the number one, Big Poppy, David Ortiz would probably come rise to the top. He's okay. pretty popular. Yeah, pretty Big good Poppy too. was fun. He is great. Yeah. He is great. All right, and you were going to say about soccer? Yeah, so soccer, it's more and more it's starting to be played. Um, it's not uh, a street game. It's actually the elite. People play it at country clubs and, and hmm. some of the upper class circles. Uh, so it's becoming more and more popular, but it's it's certainly not. Uh, it's not prevalent here in the Dominican. Yeah. Well, that's good. All right, Brian, this has been fascinating, uh, friend. It was great to meet you and great to hear your story and everything that you've got going on down there. Amazing to see just how, you know, just a little bit of teaching on what it means to be a man. It is so relevant here in the States. It's, and just to hear how relevant it is down there and how you guys are using that to transform the culture is really encouraging. So keep it up, my friend, keep it up. Well, thanks, Adam. And this has just been great. Thanks for for listening and and for having me on today. You know, I said it during my conversation with Brian, and I'll say it again today. One of my favorite things about God's Word is that it's timeless and it's applicable to any and every culture. And so if you were listening to Brian's story and you realize that you too want to know that you're loved and that you are not defined by your past, then I have some really good news. Uh, You don't have to make your way down to the Dominican Republic, although you can go down there and visit Project Manana. I think Brian and his team would love to have you down there. But you don't have to go down there to find this experience. You don't have to find your way into one of the prisons down there to have an experience like this. You can do this here in the States. You can be a part of Betterman. Uh, Our 11-week experience is a great way to explore manhood and make some lifelong friendships along the way. Better Man is free of charge for churches, so go to betterman.com to explore how you can experience this or bring this experience to your church or to your community. That's betterman.com. Every episode is edited and mixed by the amazing team over there at Sound of a Rose. And if you want to learn more about them, you can go to soundofarose.com. That's all we got for today on the Better Man Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.